This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Some exciting things going on in the greater marketplace. Uh, is what we're going to cover today. So Channel Fireball, for those of you that don't know, is launching a platform that's kind of in competition with TCG Player, kind of in competition with Trolls Evo system. Uh, just interesting what's going on there. And I, I think it's good for the industry because competition is good. What can I say? Yep. But we're basically going to break down what the important things are about this kind of audible and channels business model is obviously the merger with good games happened and then we knew changes would be coming so yes. they're kind of upon us so let's get started yep uh so you mentioned good games there's the binder pos uh merger i think as well and now we're looking at channels brand new system which they tweeted about over the last uh, eight days or so the cfd yeah. marketplace and was what they're calling it and uh, they made I guess what we could call a clarification on what's going to happen, and the idea is that this is going to be a market space for LGSs to operate, and they wouldn't compete with the individual. The individual could still work on TCG Player. And in the announcement that they made last week, it sounds like now you have to have a brick and mortar to be able to compete on this market space. You can't just be an entity in the space. You can't have, you know, a setup inside... Um, like a room in a mall or you can't have a dedicated booth somewhere without frontage essentially basically to me it sounds like look at uh what wizards would require from you in order to get allocation from them yep. that's what we want we don't want backpackers on this uh i and i i think to me it seems like it's coming you know if we're working with brick and mortars they're recognizing the opportunity that exists to actually push up these brick and mortars where wizards of the coast is kind of left them by the wayside and started doing you know fulfillment by amazon yeah, and all yeah. this other stuff and i i think it's a great opportunity and i actually like the brick and mortar only model i i think that is great and i i hope it takes off because i think that you know one of the problems with brick and mortars selling on tcg is they can't necessarily compete with the guy who only has logistical overhead and isn't paying rent mm -hmm. isn't paying employees is kind of you know grinding up his binder and selling on tcg with just no overhead basically yep um <clears throat> one thing that i think is kind of interesting about this and this was pointed out in our discord as well i believe uh the difference between an lgs with a seven dollar minimum wage and a fifteen dollar minimum wage is really going to stick out on this platform mm -hmm. that'll be interesting to see but i think you know for me even as someone who doesn't you know i'm not selling as an lgs I kind of prefer this model. I I think it's good. I, I would much rather as an LGS sell in competition with other LGSs. Now, you know, the telling thing is, well, if prices are lower on TCG Player, how are you going to compete? There. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I think, it's, for me, it's the clarification <laughs> that will, it will only be LGSs. You have to be able to receive allocation. And one of the issues with that is that if you have frontage, you can receive allocation, but it doesn't matter what your business is, right, yep. from distro. Um, there's a store in this state that is nested inside a computer repair shop. It has its own name, and it has its own dedicated space and a play space, and they get allocation to that store, but it's 
the other business was started first. In theory, that store should be able to sell on this platform, but somebody who might operate similarly out of somebody else's frontage that doesn't have their own dedicated uh, name on a board or their own dedicated address, but still has you know EIN, an EIN and a tax ID, won't be able to if they follow that model. And I think that's kind of where it gets a little squirrely. Obviously, I do agree that you know your average backpacker shouldn't be there. They're not running the business, but somebody who's nested inside another organization or might be running the card portion of what goes on at an LGS does kind of get a little stuffed. There's another store up here. It's um, it's business name and this and an individual's eBay name. And the individual serves the high-end cards and a lot of the singles. Does that person have the ability to sell on this platform? Based on what we're hearing, probably not. But the brick and mortar that they work out of would. And I think that's where things got a little dicey in this announcement. I don't think it's bad overall. I think it's just this kind of weird hard turn that they took for clarification's sake that might not have been necessary. And I think it, it does kind of dunk on some people that were interested in selling on this platform that have a business. They're you know, they they're set up legitimately, they just don't have frontage. Yeah, and I think that's you know there is the evidence where or there are cases like you said where you have a shop like inside of a shop. Uh, and I definitely think that it's a little unfair to those spaces uh and i think the interesting thing is that and this this is common in booths and i've noticed this a lot working mm -hmm. booths is right after the channel change where they didn't allow floor trading anymore you had this split of vendors where some were like ah you know the fuck backpackers nobody likes them anyways mm -hmm. and then you had people like you and i who were kind of like you know we we started that way yeah like you can't be mad at those guys like that was you 10 years ago and now you have this booth and this seems like almost kind of another way for channel to do that mm -hmm. is like them saying well if you won't take gps from us we'll just do something that's for you know the vendors only yeah and i think that's an interesting way of looking at it and i think that i would honestly kind of like to see tcg take up as like the backpacker platform and channel fireball take off as the lgs platform just to see what happens with those two divergent paths yeah yeah and I think that's going to be, you know, again, the key thing is if there's more exposure on TCG, if there's cheaper prices on TCG, why wouldn't we just sell on TCG, TCG. and buy on TCG? Yep. So it's it's something I'm excited for, but I'm interested to see what their value add is. Yeah, I, I think some of that and the disparate prices will see the benefit to the system that supports the LGS model is uh, most likely in sealed. Yeah, I think so for sure. Because you, especially, you know, obviously one of their biggest things to compete with TCG on is the fee structure. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can be more favorable to your brick and mortars, they're probably going to go there because it's lower overhead on their end. Yep. And being able to sell sealed at a decent margin and not have to compete with FBA by Wizards of the Coast would be a pretty huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, like you said, sealed, and that's one of the important things is, you know, they, they really can't cover any card games that TCG doesn't cover already. Although, I think it will be interesting to see what happens with Flesh and Blood. I don't know if you knew this, uh, TCG currently has a Flesh and Blood incentive program running, where if you sell X amount of Flesh and Blood, 
on their platform, TCG will pay you $300. Huh. Well, Channel's running all of the organized play for Flesh and Blood, so presumably they will be the preferred marketplace for something like yeah, Flesh yeah. and Blood. That's pretty so I think that'll, that'll be interesting to see how people start doing that because you have you know, TCG doing that, and then there's a lot of stores that started on like Shopify or Square. Yes. Yep. Well, those companies do rolling capital loans where they will reclaim payments through your transactions every month. And that's a great value add for them. And it's just interesting. I'm curious once we get into the minutia and we have the full announcement of what the CFP marketplace is, what that value add is for them over something like a TCG. And I think it is going to boil I mean, they're not fixed margins anymore because we got rid of MSRP. Yep. But if I'm selling sealed product exclusively on Channels Marketplace and I'm selling it for 120 bucks, and I'm netting $10 more than I would on TCG, I'm going to do that all day. Yeah. yeah. And finite supply of, you know, I won this box. TCG player and have to go to the Channel Marketplace. All right. I, I will say, I think one of the value adds that they have the potential for, and this is something they have mentioned is the store credit system. Yep. I think being able to go to an event, to trade in at Channel Fireball, to get store credit, and then spend it on anyone in the platform is huge. And that's something that TCG kind of did early on, and I guess was kind of trying to get back into, but just not nearly on the scale that Channel can do, because Channel already has that established, you know, these are our buy list numbers, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing, Come to our events, grind side events, get store credit, spend it on the website. Yep. And I think that's huge because, you know, one of the things about store credit is if anyone has any amount at an LGS, sometimes it just sits there forever and you never spend it because they don't have the cards you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that having the opportunity to be on this open market platform where there's, you know, potentially thousands of LGSs selling singles means you're much more likely to get that stuff. Yes. And I think yeah. that especially, you know, it, it's interesting that this happens right after the Good Games merger when they try to sell a bunch of inventory and they inherit Good Games inventory because obviously Good Games is going to be selling on the platform. Mm -hmm. So when you trade in, Good Games gets those cards and they'll just sell them on the channel platform. But I, I think that that is honestly, as a player, as someone buying cards probably the best like added value of any marketplace system there's ever been yep i, I agree it's a huge value prop uh, i've seen it happen on the occasion at uh events uh, it, it happened here and there when i was with face because we had people come to us from canada inside the yeah. u.s and we had access to our backend system so we could just give them credit right then and there if that's what they wanted to take you know no no must no fuss yeah. It happened extremely infrequently uh, with Troll. And I've never heard of anybody else doing that. And I, I think that's incredible because, like you said, it allows people to shop across the entirety of the platform. And the only other time I'd ever heard of that happening was when TCG Player showed up at Gen Con mm -hmm. when they, the year they released their BIOS system and yep. they were buying at their booth because TCG Player is its, isn't its own unique entity you're essentially just racking up credit on the system. That's the only time I've ever heard it. Yeah. A, a focused uh, push for credit at, at an event. And I think it's 
huge for the individuals and allows the LGS to serve a wider audience, which is basically what you want as an LGS. You want to serve the widest customer base you can, and this allows you to. Yeah, and I think the the important thing too is the payout for the brick and mortar. I yep. My my understanding is they're getting paid out in cash despite store credit being used. It's just cash minus higher fees. Fees, yeah. Sure, whatever. Yep. I mean that's that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I I just think that you know it's an opportunity. Obviously, you know you go to a Star City event, you can get Star City credit. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's yeah. not nearly the same thing as what this has the potential to be, uh, and that's because you know, obviously. I can go to my LGS and see what they have in the case, or I can just order it off of the website if they have it uploaded on the channel Fireball Marketplace and be like, all right, cool. Well, yep. this is where I'm selling now. Yep. And I, I think that's a lot better for the players, mm -hmm. which, again, if, you know, channel is, we're hitting the brick and mortars by realizing they're kind of floundering because of wizards. And we want an opportunity for the players, especially grinders, and if Mythic Fests, Grand Prix, whatever, do take on this more regional thing, that's when I think this store credit system is going to be critically important. Yep. Um, because being able to get, you know, trade into channel and have a global reach, well, I couldn't find the random June 2 stakes foil I needed for my EDH deck here. Channel's got it on their website. Yep. Or on their marketplace, sorry. Just go for it there. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. No, absolutely. And I think it, it also has the added bonus of allowing smaller LGSs to take swings at larger buys and not have to worry about what they're going to do with yep. that stock. Um, you know, my LGSs, they sure can buy overhead, you know, not overhead, large stock, but there are not a lot of people that are going to walk in and buy it. So they have to essentially have the outlined up already, be it buy list or to somebody else dedicated in the area that they, they're going to reach out to. Yeah. And it's not the worst problem in the world, but not every LGS has that opportunity. And it would be nice to be able to buy anything and everything that walks into your store or up to your booth at an event, at a local event, and know that you're going to be able to strike a deal with this customer, you're going to make this person happy, and you're not going to be stuck with it because you can toss it up on this platform and get rid of it. And I think that's huge. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, people will say, well, you can do that on TCG Player already. Right, but you can't do it with store credit. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know plenty of people that their entire model is arbitraging store credit from Card Kingdom to Star City back and forth based on whatever their hot list is at the time. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact there were times at Miniature Market where we would get a buy from someone and it would be packaged from Card Kingdom. Yep. And it would have, you know, an individual's name and whatever their account information was handwritten on a note per the, you know, the purchase when they leave special instructions. Like, that happens all the time. Yep. And I think the ability to do this with a, like, global singles selection is enormous. Mm -hmm. uh, because, it, you know, when you do it on, when you're trying to get to power on, like, Card Kingdom or Star City or Abu, their prices are obviously inflated because they know what's going on. Yep. They don't want to just sell it for that. And being able to hit this effectively at a, you know, low market rate with just store credit is a huge, huge opportunity. So that'll be interesting to see if that buy list does start to shift things a little bit That's more. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it'll take some time to shake out, especially with events in the future and what those bring. Definitely. Uh, then there's something else that ran alongside this in parallel, unrelated to, kind of unrelated to the platform, um, and it's that Channel Fireball is going to be 
a preferred or rather the expansion grader for premier card grading card grading out of new zealand yeah so. this is uh the funny thing to me is that sasso was talking like a couple weeks prior about how cgc should be the standard of grading dude come on <laughs> you you can't you can't say that you can't and then announce ways. that you're partnering for an expansion of a grading company you know yeah. better yep. uh i i think this is interesting i think that you know the last year and a half when we've had all these delays and like you know psa bgs scg even hit a delay which for those of you in magic may not know scg they're like the number three in sports cards yep. and you've seen a bunch of companies pop up since uh hybrid grading approach hga with their custom labels has been huge cgc obviously got in on the sports cards game with csg uh, and now we have this and it's interesting that you know this coincided kind of with the announcement that the usps wasn't shipping to australia or new zealand anymore which is relevant because here we have the u.s expansion i i think this is again i think competition is good yes it yep. breeds innovation the labels are crisp and clean i'm really going to be interested to see what this does not to the magic graded market but to the flesh and blood graded market because again channel being the preferred vendor there it is so i've got a statement about this i'll bring up in a minute the only reason i like this <clears throat> is because it introduces specialists into the marketplace yeah previously we hadn't had people working within the card gaming industry specialize at grading houses if you want to think of them that way yeah <clears throat> and it i would assume people are they're not cross-trained entirely so you know if bob's absent over in sports cards and his desk is full but john's over in pokemon has got nothing could he you know pop over and do that yeah i'm sure absolutely but i don't think that's the, the way they want to operate so bringing in these kind of dedicated specialists of the card gaming area i think is going to be great overall and it's something i would have liked to see across all these organizations my problem with going to one of the largest vendors in the space especially for something like flesh and blood is this parallels if you watch the bob ross documentary that went up on netflix a couple of weeks ago the yeah. only people that can grade and determine whether or not a bob ross painting is uh, authentic is bob ross inc which is not a company run by bob ross it is run by his two partners that essentially stole his name from him and were seen have been seen forging bob ross paintings in their warehouses yeah. so it definitely breeds a bit of murkiness and i do worry about that we we know who is it that got uh slammed for uh incorrect grading um uh psa like, and bgs both recently yeah for like uh, cutting cards and stuff like that like yep. cleaning up corners and stuff like that yeah like yeah you're the only people in the industry how do we know this is going to really work out because you know to your statement earlier competition breeds innovation there's no other specialist in the marketplace yet so you know you get to just kind of run rough sh rough shot so to speak and whatever you're going to do right now and that worries me a little bit not entirely you know cfb for the length of time i've been playing this game working industry has been on the up and up for sure yeah. so i'm not too worried about it but it is something that floats around in the old noodle well and especially you know pwcc just got you know banned from ebay they're being investigated as as psa by the fbi for fraud but you that, know it's were they both for shill bill a shill bidding 
PSA was uh, and BGS were being investigated for grades. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, not but... not shill bidding, okay. but PWCC was shill bidding. Yes, but yeah. I I do agree that getting specialists in this is important. It's you know, it, kind of like and, and the same thing does exist in sports cards where oh, yeah. vintage cards were printed on a completely different card stock, treated differently, processed differently than modern cards so you do have people who specialize in like i grade vintage cards only i grade modern cards and i think that that's important because the processes involved across card hobbies are not the same in manufacturing mm -hmm. and i think it's important that you have these specialized people who understand like look i look at pokemon cards eight hours a day i can tell you from looking at it you know this is probably going to grade at this raw and having that guy there is important because it does allow for consistent a little bit more consistent grading without something like hga uses where you're looking at it with software or anything like that now the interesting thing about pcg is if you go to their website which is at the bottom of the like banner ad mm -hmm. uh they don't say if they grade by hand or use software they just say consistent modern grading and there's not a whole lot of information on it yeah they're okay uh, right now yeah, and it's, you know, the New Zealand launch was September 10th, so we're four days into that. But we do have a North America and an Australia expansion coming as well, which, of course, are Channel Fireball and Good Games. So it seems it. like this was part of the merger. Yeah. But it, it'll be interesting to see what this does. I think that we may see more on-site grading at events, which would be great. That was something to I was be able to about, go. Yeah. Yeah, to go to like a flesh and blood or magic event and be able to say, look, you know, on site grading, here's a raw slab, take it. And, you know, Beckett does that, PSA does that, but what they'll do is they will put it in. Do I have any of them handy? Ah, I do not. The like soft. Yes, I do. Here we go. These soft loaders like this slap a sticker right here mm -hmm. and it ha it'll have a raw grade on it. So it's not quite encapsulated, but it is at least a grade from them. Um, and I think that'll be. You know, I think that is a good thing for the industry as well as getting more on-site grading so that this backlog can start working its way through because I've got stacks of stuff waiting to ship off to PSA or BGS as soon as they open up. It's just not happening. Yep. No, I agreed. I, I like, like I said, I like it overall. Uh, I'd like to see more people in the space. I didn't even think about, uh, it was a question I had. I didn't even think about live grading at magic fest or what have you moving forward because that aligns this hobby more with sports and i think coins and so here we are you know with the name and industry trying to build a marketplace for vendors opening up and offering something like this overall um, and i guess the the last point just to touch on quickly and we kind of did throughout is just the our thoughts on the success of the platform on the whole yeah and i i think i think this can succeed I think it's going to take a lot of push, though. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, it's exciting for LGSs to have a platform that's only them. Yep. The problem is TCG is so entrenched at this point as the marketplace. Having that push to be able to say, okay, we want to steal this business from TCG player. Let's do it. Yep. That's what it will take for it to succeed. But I would like it to, and I think it can. Yep. Uh, I agree. And I think a lot of this push is going to come from... Uh, Gen Con and Origins. It's going to be these events where a lot of LGSs show up just to see what's going on, attend panels, you know, learn about, you know, TCG often does their State of the Unions and what's coming down with hardware, and so people do, uh, you know, attend these and the dinners yeah. afterwards, and I think that's where a lot of this can shake out, and you'll see a lot of buy-in from the smaller stores. 
And once you have that and you buy, you get that buy-in from smaller stores that use Square, like you mentioned earlier, I think that's where the platform just kind of finds its, um, it, it, its legs, you know? Yeah. And I think, I again, I hope it does. We'll see. But yeah, this, this next couple of months is going to be pretty crucial for it. Yep. I do think it's kind of interesting that it's launching right before the holiday lull. Not sure timing-wise that's the best, but hey. I guess that does give LGS's time to get set up during yeah. the time not have as much going on. So. Yeah, we don't know anything about like SKUs and how that's going to work individual products. And if that's going to be a pain in, in the butt, then yeah, it's nice to have. I mean, they're not going to be able to do it in crunch time, but you know, to move some stuff over and test the water out is probably easier uh, sooner rather than later. And for sure, in the next couple of weeks, you have a little bit of time to experiment. So you know, maybe there are incentives et cetera on the back end. Unsure, but. Picks? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Did I go last week or did you? Does it matter? You went last week. Okay. Well, we both went last week. So. Well, yes. Yeah, so you went first last week. That's all right. So then you can go first this week. All right. I have extended art culling ritual. Why? Good this card does everything you want in black and red, uh, black and green. It's a board wipe that ramps you. It is one of the most unique wipes that's been printed. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. That's pretty unique uh, in the space. It's an EDH all-star. It's not exactly the most played card, but coming out of Strixhaven right now is probably, and this is also kind of a market trend thing. I would be looking at Strixhaven now because we're about to be in new standard where Strixhaven is going to matter. And I think it will have an opportunity to shine in constructed play and especially in EDH long term. Now, if you look at the stocks graph, it's pretty static. It's been at about $10 for a while now for the foils. That said, the supply has dried up drastically over the last month or so on this card as we're seeing fewer and fewer packs opened. Collectors boosters are kind of sitting around collecting dust. We've moved on to fate, not fate reforged, uh, forgotten realms which didn't really sell well. We're about to have another release in Midnight Hunt, and there aren't a whole lot of collector's boosters for Strixhaven actually sitting in distros right now. So we've hit about everything we can. There's Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of this card sitting around waiting to be cracked still. Uh, Right now on the foils, let me see what we currently have, because we were at... Yoink. Yeah, we're at 47 listings, and we were at 96 about two weeks ago. So there's been a concentration of the listings being reduced. The price hasn't started to reflect that a whole lot yet. But if you look, we're sitting at about $10 all the way to the third page when it hits 12. So there's a lot of opportunity to move in on this card and get in. Timeline-wise, I think you're looking at probably based on how some of the other extended art cards have been in recent sets about a six to eight month turnaround on this and that's because we're getting a million versions of every card every set has millions of cards with millions of versions maybe that's an exaggeration whatever but i think that this card especially is the type of thing that we're not going to see reprinted anytime soon it is not plain specific which is kind of worrisome but we know that the next few sets we're getting, we're not getting colored pairs. And that's the important thing, mm-hmm. because that means that something like this is unlikely to get reprinted in the next year or so now that we know the release pro- the release yep. schedule. 
Uh, so I'd be looking at about six to eight months turnaround on this based on what we've seen in the market with similar cards in the past. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the market can change. That's just my expectation. No, uh, it's interesting to see. Um, I wasn't sure. I had to check in on the one from Dragon's Maze because Pernicious Deed is an enchantment that's kit that sticks around for colorless black and green, and then you pay X, pop it, and you destroy all non-land permanents with mana value X or less. Gaze of Granite is a sorcery that costs X, double black, green. So this is effectively the cheapest way to do exactly this, and there's a payoff attached to it, which is the ramp, which makes it really unique. And in the space right now, uncertain if it's the best, but it's certainly better than Gaze of Granite. Yeah, significantly. Yeah, the, the benefit that Pernicious Deed has is that it's much more flexible in what it does because you can just pay anything into it. But yeah. I think this is, like you said, going to be a decent player in standard and then you know just kind of a mainstay in EDH for uh, board wipes. It's I can't imagine this not seeing play. You know, it's not Urborg and Mutilate good, but it is definitely really decent for anybody who plays at a table with decks that like to just churn out a lot of little creatures. Yeah, yeah. Good any any token strategy stuff like that it, yep. it's great for absolutely uh, i didn't even know this card existed i when you said calling ritual i honestly thought this was something from like the middle era of magic like whatever <laughs> it, it does seem like ritual of the machine or like calling the weak or something it, like was, it yeah. was calling the weak that really just made me think of something from the middle the middle ages of magic and, and I, I like i said I, I i do enjoy the spell i didn't know it existed and it was probably something i should buy for edh so there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> Proof my, positive. Yeah, uh, my pick is actually from uh, probably more the Dark Ages of Magic than the Middle Ages of Magic, and it is Mog Infestation from Stronghold. <laughs> and it's a card I've loved since I first started playing the game. Man, this thing's insane. I love this card. Costs five, three, double red. It's a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. Target player controls. Target player. For each creature put into any graveyard this way, put two goblin tokens into play under that players control treat these tokens as one one red gob one one red creatures and if you fork this you get four times that many spells ask me how i know uh, fork that you get four times as many creatures i've had this uh on my watch list since early january of 2021 and ck was buying 15 at a dollar 50 there were 70 on tcg player lp or better for 620 and uh when i picked this CK is now buying 25 at $5, which is an increase on both sides, and there's 68 for $8 on TCG Player right now. So a reduction in quantity, but increase in price. And in the interim, I'm sure a number have sold. So what yeah. do you do with this card? Well, let me bring up EDHREC, and it becomes pretty clear. So what you're looking at are either Goblins, Token Strategies, or Perforos God of the Forge. Yep. Right? And Perfect. it's a... Yep, it's a, it's a bit narrow overall when you start looking at this, um, but it's an, an easy single spell win. Even with Zodahedron Grinder, you just make a bunch of tokens, you pump them all, and you just get in there, right? So uh, it's a weird self-board wipe. I can imagine you play, like, with a card like Arcanist in Mono Red so you can rebuy it, you can wipe somebody's board of big creatures and make them a lot smaller and manageable, but I still really consider this a self-board wipe. That turns into a kill con or part of a combo with cards like Perforos or Cranko Mob Boss. And speaking of Cranko, this helps power up a themed goblin deck overall, right? Not terribly thematic in a tribal deck, but it does allow you to turn your anemic army into something more formidable that can take over and win. And again, Perforos and Impact Tremors 
are basically instant wins with this because they they trigger for all the goblins that ETB. Now, I've been waiting on this card to see sustained movement, and now that we have and can see a solid slope, my expectation is in six months at a minimum, we'll be able to sell the buy list for profit. I would expect profits on the open market within the next month or two if you're able to buy around market price based on the tra trajectory we're seeing. And it took a really long time to get out of this slope. You know, it's September now, and I picked this up eight months ago. That's a long, long rope that we saw on stocks. And like, I, I doubt we'll see this in any commander content as it seems well outside the quote-unquote field of vision of a lot of content creators. But if we do and it does anything flashy, then we could see this blow up very quickly on the open market, which will then lead and trickle down to vendors, which means buy loss increased. Uh, and something I, I had to think about for a while on this is reprint equity. And I don't think we'll see this in no. much other than a master set. And even if it even if it is, it's really miserable in the draft format. So I believe we're pretty much insulated from a reprint on this. I thought, well, maybe we'll. We'll look at a set like A25 that wants to celebrate all the sets in Magic and might look really neat with a Stronghold symbol behind it. We've had cards with the word Mog come back in Master sets. I just don't see this coming back because the play pattern is so counterintuitive. It's such a non-red card. This is one of the least red cards that's red that I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It it, it's green. It's white and green. It, it destroys all creatures that one player has, and it doubles tokens. Those are white and green things. Yeah. I, I, I don't ever see this card getting reprinted. Yeah, because I spent most of the time thinking, like, at, for this pick and, and writing up my notes, like, well, what do I... What's the reprint equity on this? Is this something that I pick and then get immediately dunked on in the commander set? And, like, maybe, maybe not, because it... To put it in a commander set over Blasphemous Act seems silly because Blasphemous yeah. Act is something very clear. Yeah. To make a commander deck with something like Cranko Mob Boss or Perforos and put this card inside it seems like where it could end up. But again, the play pattern is so unclear that I just yeah. don't think you get this as a reprint. So I've I feel pretty safe about this in the long term, and it's a card that I'm basically happy sitting on and treating it like it's reserve list. Yeah, I this this is a prime example of you know we talk about the soft reserve list. This is kind of like basically reserve list. Yeah. I mean this this is soft reserve list. This effect is just so outlandish. I would never see them reprinting it. No, not at all. Wait, did it jump up to twenty? There's no way. No. No. Okay. For whatever reason, the button on TCG Player is a $20 copy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 61 listings right now on TCG Player. So they're churning, but just not that regularly. So I'm not quite sure what happens when TCG Player stock runs out or this hits stocks on a, on, a, on the daily. If anything, I see the shooting up. And if you want to sell on the FOMO, that's what I would do. And then I think it would be just drop back down over time until people really start integrating this into lists a lot more than we're seeing. The population yeah. on Wreck overall is pretty low. It's According to Wreck, it's in 0% of decks. So yeah. this is not a card that I'm picking based on immediate EDH usage. I know it's usable. Ask me how. Yeah. And 
I think this is just a card that's currently overlooked and we have the ability to get way in front of. Way, way, way in front of. Yeah, I, I think that's... The big point with this one is that it is an opportunity to get way, way in front of. Because this, this is very much one of those cards that I could just one day you wake up and all of a sudden it's a $30 card and you're like, I've never even heard of this card before. Yeah. Like, I only know because I drafted it in Stronghold. It was awesome. <laughs> it was miserable, but it was awesome. And I knew it from there. And now it's like, all right, this this is one of those unknown cards that exists from a time in Magic where you didn't have content creators, you didn't have a whole lot of eyes on things. It just didn't exist. Yeah. And that's the opportunity that you have with this card is yes. when it pops it'll pop absolutely and it probably won't come back because i don't see it getting a reprint yep and so that that's my pick for uh for the week and i i beg you ask me how i know <laughs> i have some it's more great. stories yeah <laughs> i think that's gonna be it for this week though is there anything else more about the cfb announcements you want to talk about nope i think i'm good right. uh and just you know to, to toss this in at the end, this is something that we talked about in the Discord last week. We have a, a, a couple people that were on the platform, and so when these tweets went out, we, we put them up there because they're relevant. And the feels that we got on it were not quite ambivalent, a little bit negative, and so that's why we decided to talk about it this week yeah. because this is immediately impactful to to vendors. So, you know, thanks again for our, our patrons and everybody in the Discord for you know engaging and having even the you light conversation rock. there, and you know those conversations during the topics so thank you but for mtg cabalcast this week where you can find us on twitter patreon youtube and facebook as MT mtg cabalcast i am at halt i am reptar i am at thirsty sizzler we'll see you next week <laughs>